are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 1067 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Thursday, everybody. Noah Gardner, Lance Dawn, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with you in the studio. Lance, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good, Noah. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Christian, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. 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 Thursday edition of the show. We have got a lot of stuff lined up for you guys today. And if you want to call in, 334-321-1390 is the number that will put you through to us here on the show. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com joining us today. You cover recruiting, and it's recruiting season. A lot of stuff going on out there on the trail. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is changing every single day, changing by the hour, changing by the minute. I mean, these coaches are all over the place. I mean, they are burning a lot of jet fuel out there. They are conducting as many in-home visits as they can um, before the dead period kind of starts up again. And they're really trying to finish this class out strong ahead of next Wednesday. The question is, can they close on these guys? That's what we've been asking ourselves because Auburn is clearly in a lot of living rooms. They're breaking bread with a lot of these recruits. They're at their schools and they're tweeting about it and you're seeing a lot of pictures with these kids you're seeing a lot of these kids uh saying that auburn's been showing them a lot of love but the question is can auburn close on these guys and a lot of that's trying to flip some high profile recruits right now and some guys aren't committed but there's a long list of players that and even some new guys have shown up on the scene recently Uh, and i just kind of want to take some time to go through all that stuff with you let's talk about flips first List of guys. I mean, Trevante Citizen's got to be towards the top of that list. I know that he decommitted from LSU, but that would, it's, in it's my book, that would a be flip, a flip. Yeah. 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 No. I mean, I think he's probably uh, he's probably going to be at the top of your list there. I mean, he's a he just moved down. He was the number fifty running back in our rankings. I think now he's not number fifty running back, number fifty player. I think now he's like number fifty eight. So he's an extremely highly rated player. Um, Auburn is obviously pushing very hard. LSU is working hard to get him back in their class, and Florida is pushing as well with that new staff. Um, the biggest development with him today, I think, would be that LSU did not retain their running back coach. Yep. Um, and so I think that's a – I don't know his relationship with LSU as well as I know his relationship with Auburn, but I would imagine that's a key development in LSU trying to get him back. Um, so the the interesting aspect with Trevante is he might not sign next Wednesday. And, you know, Auburn is pushing for Justin Williams, the other running back, and they only want to take two. And they already have Damari Alston. So they kind of need an answer from Trevante before next Wednesday to decide whether or not they need to try and get a commitment from Justin Williams. So it's kind of an interesting, tricky scenario that they're working their way through. The staff is trying its best, and I think they're doing a good job of it so far. But Well, take me through Justin Williams then, because Auburn's recruiting him and courting him at the moment. But it sounds to me like Auburn's top target would be Trevante Citizen, yes. but they wouldn't be too bummed out either, though, if they got Justin Williams, I'm sure. I think they'd be perfectly happy if they got Justin Williams. They view him as a development kind of guy that could be really good a couple years down the line, but they think Trevante is an immediate star. They think he's a stud that can come in right away, so 
they're definitely pursuing him and they are going after him until he says adamantly no. Um, but Justin Williams, he'll be visiting Tennessee this weekend and that's mm-hmm. just Auburn and Tennessee. So it's one of those two schools and Auburn just kind of needs to get an answer from Javante here in the next week, uh, less than a week actually. Do you think that'll happen? I think knowing Travante a little bit, I think he will give this staff an answer. I don't it might not it may not be the answer that you want. It might not be the answer that you want, or it might even be a hey, I'm gonna wait until February and, you know, take that for kind of what it's worth a little bit. But, but I that's think, kind of probably your answer if you're Auburn though, because then I would imagine Auburn would take Justin Williams if that was the case, if he was gonna wait until February. I mean I think they might, but I think that they think so highly of Travante Citizen. They might be willing to wait if they think they got a good shot. Yeah, they might be willing to wait. I mean, they think he is an immediate star, plug and play, instant impact guy. Could he possibly jump Jarquez Hunter on the depth chart? Uh, that that's a possibility. I mean, I think wow. Jarquez Hunter's really good, but they think incredibly highly of Travante Citizen. I cannot stress that enough. So, and I think Citizen maybe fits the offense a little bit more than Jarquez Hunter. That's not me saying that I don't mm-hmm. think very highly of Jarquez Hunter because I do, but. From everything that I've seen and watched about Trevante Citizen, he's a one-cut running back. I'm sure he's good with his hands as well. There's not a lot of mileage on Citizen either. He hasn't been used a ton at the high school level. He strikes me as a West Coast-style running back. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd be really, really good. He Look, he's like the crown jewel still remaining in this recruiting class. There's mm-hmm. some other really highly rated players, and I'm sure we'll talk about them here in a little bit, but he's the crown jewel of this class right now. Well, I just wanted to say a couple minutes ago, talking about how this coaching staff's going all over the place. Let me tell you the most powerful thing in America right now, Brian Harson's pointer finger in pictures, all right? <laughs> Every single picture you see that man in, he has got it. He'll have a cup of coffee, doesn't matter. He'll have like his phone in his hand, doesn't matter. He is pointing at somebody in a picture, and man, that point is powerful. I think uh, I think I'm really I'm really pleased to see this coaching staff go all over the nation uh, talking to some of these guys and recruiting some of them. But staying on the topic of flips, right? Trevante Citizen at the top of that list. Are there any other flips Auburn's potentially looking at right now? Yeah, I mean they're looking at a ton. They're looking at uh, Jalen Farmer, the Florida offensive line commit, but he's not signing until February, so mm-hmm. Auburn still has some time there. Um, wouldn't really worry about him too much right now. As for December fifteenth and this kind of early signing period. A big one would be Jadarian Rim, the LSU cornerback commit. Um, he's going to be officially visiting Auburn this weekend, and I think Auburn is in a fantastic spot to get him. He was at the Iron Bowl, right? He was, yes. Um, and he's been – I think he was at the Mississippi State game as well. So he's been here a couple times now, and now he's here officially this weekend. Well, then he saw two games where he thought to himself probably, hey, I can defend better than this. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, uh, sticking on defense and with LSU, you have the linebacker Demario Tolan. Um, he's committed to LSU. He was in on an official for the Iron Bowl weekend, actually, um, and he'll be he'll be officially visiting LSU um, this weekend as well. So LSU's trying to hold on. Georgia is trying to push for him. Tennessee is as well. So it's a heavy race for him. But I think Auburn's in a decent spot with him. And then the last one, at least that comes to the top of my mind, would be Robert Woodyard, the Alabama linebacker commit, and he's going to sign on December fifteenth. And I think Auburn has positioned themselves really, really well to flip him from Alabama, which would be, I mean, I think that would be a pretty big head turner and good for this class and good for this staff. Um, You know, just looking at it from an outside perspective, you don't see a lot of flips from Alabama to Auburn. So I think that a first-year staff would be able to do that, if they are able to, would be pretty impressive. What about Tay Woody? You know, Tay Woody, he might be in on an official this weekend. Um, I still haven't been able to confirm that. Um, Florida State has done a really good job of holding on to him so far. You know, there was a point there where 
I came out and said I thought it was more likely he ends up at Auburn than Florida State. I would probably flip that now. I still think I, I think he'll stick with Florida State as of now. But this staff has not given up on him. They're still trying to get him. And if they're able to get him in on an official this weekend, that could be big. But if he's not here this weekend, I would probably put that one to bed. Seems like Auburn's trying to pillage the the Baton Rouge Village. Seems like yes. they're trying to go and take all the LSU's recruits at this point. Yeah, they are. Um, and you want to talk about like another guy there, Austin Osbury. Um, he's not yeah. committed to LSU, but he's from that just right in that area. Um, Osbury is the one who his dad works in LSU athletics. Um, I don't remember exactly what his role is, but they're trying really, really hard to get him, and he'll be committing actually on Monday. So if Auburn's able to get him I want to say he's the number 90 player in the class maybe number 89 both him and Darius Clemens are right next to each other I don't remember which one is which but well we'd like to have both of them yeah (laughs) but if Auburn's able to get him on Monday that's a fantastic start to next week it really builds some strong momentum going into Wednesday well it looks like just talking about some of these flips here outside of the running backs it looks like Auburn's really trying to hammer the defensive side of the ball specifically linebackers and cornerbacks is that an area where you see Auburn really needing to push right now down the line or is there, or is this just a just looking at these cornerbacks it just happens to be they just are looking at a lot of them right now I think they're just looking at a lot of them a little bit um I do think they still have some talent in the secondary right. even when Roger McCreary leaves but you know they want to get uh osbury they look at him as kind of a corner same with jadarian rim they like keontae scott the juco corner as well so there's a handful of corners out there that they like which i don't view corner as quite as big a need as maybe the staff does necessarily but they've really identified some guys that they really like and they're pushing hard for them as for linebacker i do think that's an area where if they're able to get woodyard and tolan um that'd be pretty good because they're going to be losing Zacoby McLean. They're losing Chandler Wooten. As of now, I expect Owen Papo to be back next year, but still you're going to be a little thin at linebacker. Mm-hmm. So I think they need to pick up some more pieces there. Obviously Darius Clemens, you mentioned him a minute ago. He's been, uh, he's been a topic, a topic of conversation on this show for quite some time. What have you heard about Clemens? Yeah. So, uh, Brian Harson and Eric Kesaw went on an in-home visit yesterday. Power of the finger. They were yeah. there. I don't think actually Harson was pointing his finger in that picture. Weirdly enough, I was a little Look, disappointed. If they ever, for some reason, like if he does enough to warrant this, if Brian Harson ever gets a statue, I want it to be of him pointing so that when people go to take pictures next to it, they can stand next to See, him, put their arm around him and he's pointing at them. Like you would actually be in a picture with it. I'm glad people finally picked up on that because I've been talking with, uh, Nathan Kane, another beat writer. We've been talking about that since like, the summer like he's been doing that for a long time and no one picked up on it until just now but um yeah Darius a little bit of a backstory on him real quick he obviously it seemed like he was an Auburn lean he was in for the Akron game it felt like Auburn was in a great spot to land him all of a sudden Oregon loses some wide receiver commits and he's from or he lives in Oregon and now it looks like he's an Oregon lean and almost an Oregon lock Mm -hmm. obviously Mario Cristobal goes to Miami and Auburn even before Mario had left, Auburn started to realize what could happen and started to talk with him a little bit more and try and bring him back on board because they had pretty much moved on. Um, and so they started talking with him more, and now they've positioned themselves in a really good spot. I think they are leading in his recruitment right now, and he will be signing um, on December 15th. The tricky situation is he's going to be visiting Michigan this weekend officially, mm. and I believe it is his mother that is from the michigan area and his dad is from the miami area so is he, he going to visit miami because i know he got an offer from miami he did get an offer from miami but 
he's signing on the 15th. So, so not a lot of time to go to Ann Arbor and then down to Miami. Well, yeah, his he has one chance left, and it'd be this weekend. And he's already locked it in with Michigan. Now, granted, he could change that to Miami, but I think he can only go to one. Like I think he only has time left for one more visit, and I would probably expect it to be Michigan. Um, so, I, the in-home visit went well, from what I was told. But Auburn's going to have to really hold on from a late push here from Michigan. I think Auburn holds on. That's just kind of the sense that I'm getting here because Auburn has had that long-standing relationship with him, and I think they're in a good spot. But it'll be interesting to see what happens and get a little more context after this Michigan visit. But Michigan doesn't like to throw the football. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. But when do. they do, they could go up to a six-three, two hundred-pound receiver in Darius Clements and say, "You're you're our one guy, right?" That would be my pitch. Just have one one receiver. Yeah. It, I, I, I think it was Bell last year. He got hurt. I don't remember who it is for, for them this season, but they typically have really athletic receivers. And so, I mean. He did get hurt at the beginning of the season. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I understand why Clemens would want to at least take a look for sure. Yeah. Of course, Auburn needs receivers badly. And based on the way the offense is trending, I feel like we would be throwing the ball just a little bit more. So, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been an interesting recruitment with him, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's kind of bounced around a lot and – it still has that potential to bounce around, but I would view Auburn as the leader right now. Florida player decommitted, Gibson. Jaden Gibson, yes. Yeah, Jaden Gibson. I almost said Jalen, so I won't, I'm glad you had that. Well, there's Jalen well, Farmer, the offensive line okay. commit, so you wouldn't have been far off. You you had the right idea. Jaden Gibson. I'm seeing a lot out there on social media about how much people love this guy. Is is there any interest there from Auburn in, in that recruitment or no? So Auburn was initially in his recruitment, but a lot of that was because of Cornelius Williams, who's obviously not here anymore. Yeah. So that makes things tricky trying to get Jaden Gibson I think the biggest shockwave with Jaden Gibson that helps Auburn is Camden Brown the St. Thomas Aquinas receiver who was in on an official last weekend where does Auburn stand with that yes um and so I I viewed that as an Auburn Florida State Georgia battle well Jaden Gibson decommits and the schools I'm hearing the most are Florida State and Georgia and Camden Brown is visiting Georgia this weekend so I think Jaden Gibson decommitting helps Auburn trying to land Camden Brown. I don't know if Auburn's going to go after Jaden Gibson. Um, I probably wouldn't expect them to outside of maybe just an initial kind of call and looking into the situation. I don't think Auburn will get involved heavily, but it, it should help them in their pursuit of Camden Brown, which I think Camden Brown is a fantastic receiver. So, And then this past weekend, Camden Brown being on campus also had his buddy on campus with him, and his buddy just so happens to be the number four overall player in the country in the top offensive tackle. How did that go for Armella? Armella, yes. Julian Armella. Um, I mean, I think it was a good visit. Um, I think Auburn did a good job of getting him on campus. But I think Auburn's on the outside looking in in his recruitment. Um, I think if Auburn got involved maybe a little bit earlier, they maybe had a chance here. But it was always going to be really tough because he's a Florida State legacy. Um, and Florida State leads right now, and that's kind of the way I still view it. Um it was kind of weird on his exit interview. You know, he said he still had the same top four of Florida State, Florida, LSU, and Alabama. And then, you know, we asked, you know, is Auburn involved at all? And he said, oh, yeah, they're in there. But he said Auburn's not in his top four. So I think Auburn's involved, but they're probably like that fifth school. I don't think Auburn really, really has a chance there necessarily. But it, it was still good to get him on campus, I think. We'll talk an offensive line here. Do you think Drew Bobo will be sticking in this class. I do not expect him to be sticking in this class. So how does Auburn replace that? Because they still need linemen. Yeah, so talked about him a little bit, Jalen Farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, Auburn's pushing for him. He could be an interior guy or a tackle. 
and then it's probably going to be mostly the transfer portal um outside of the, obviously they'll have ej harris sign on december 15th jalen farmer will make his decision in february there's still a chance for some more names to pop up before february but those are the two high school guys i'm really keeping an eye on right now um tay woody could be an offensive lineman too if auburn were to get him um to my knowledge auburn likes him a little more on d-line but he could be an offensive lineman and then it's gonna be the transfer portal uh, miles frazier who transferred from florida international Need it. yeah uh, but he's been getting a ton of offers just every team in the country it feels like it started to offer him so that one's gonna is be auburn really legit at play there i think so auburn's mm-hmm. gonna i think auburn has a good chance of hosting him on an official visit in january which will be big um there's him there's the pair of players that transferred out of virginia the left tackle who was an all acc honorable mention i haven't really heard auburn show any interest in him just yet but he's been pretty quiet so far and i haven't heard a lot um, I would imagine Auburn is interested just based on the offensive line outlook of this team. But then the big one would be the center, the uh, Remington. Is that what it is? Yes, it is okay. the Remington for the center. I was blanking on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so he was a finalist for that award this year. Um, it's going to be very difficult to pronounce that name. I know who you're talking about. Yes, uh, I'm not even going to try. But the Virginia center, he entered the transfer portal, and Auburn showed immediate interest in him. Oh, yeah, Auburn needs it. So That changes this offensive line in my mind. I think that's been the biggest thing that Auburn's been lacking. Not that Nick Brom's experience wasn't where you wanted it to be at this year, because it, it was, but I think the the actual physical tools of playing the game maybe haven't been there for Auburn at the center position over the last five years, and uh, that would be a huge get for Auburn. I, I, I think this Auburn offensive line improves from the inside out, and you'll see drastic steps forward. Yeah, I mean, he would be a – he would yeah i agree with you he would change this offensive line pretty much instantly um you know a lot of people i think are tough on nick brahms at times i think he's not a first team all sec player like he was selected but i think he's serviceable at that spot and with the options that are on the roster right now there's not a lot of better options but if they're able to get this guy in yeah obviously that's a better option that you can immediately plug in and would be very very good for auburn along the offensive line Let's head to a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com here with us today about the offensive coordinator search and where that stands as it seems like Auburn's having to look elsewhere right now in the search for a new head man on the offensive side of the ball. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the first hour of the show today. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390 is the number to call. We were just talking a lot of recruiting with Christian Clemente. We'll come back to that topic later on here in this first hour and get him to wrap all that stuff up for us. But let's move to offensive coordinator Apparently, you know, every we had college ask us yesterday about what's been going on with that. It seems like offensive coordinator has now approached, if not passed, believe it or not, the amount of time that it took Auburn to hire a head coach last year. You think it could be a lot longer until they hire an OC? Yeah, I don't think this, uh, the staff and just the people in charge of this hire are in a huge hurry necessarily to get an offensive coordinator. Um, Zach Hill from Arizona State was kind of the guy, but it didn't end up working out because of some just compliance issues and making sure that Hill wasn't hung up in the Arizona State situation with the recruiting violations there. So it just didn't really work out. And now they're kind of resetting the search a little bit. They're 
Um, going back to some of maybe the initial guys that they talked with or widening the search as well, talking with some other guys. So I really don't think they're in a huge hurry. I think they're prioritizing recruiting, which I think is fine. Um, most of these recruits, I think recruiting from an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator standpoint is a little bit overrated. Most of these recruits become close with their position coaches. Like you look at uh, Damari Alston, for example. When Mike Bobo got fired, like, yeah, he was a little shocked by it. But Cadillac Williams is still here, and so that's why he stuck with his Auburn commitment. Same thing with Micah Riley-Ducker and Brad Bedell being the tight end coach. So I think they're trying to focus on finishing this recruiting class strong while still obviously looking for an offensive coordinator at the same time. But I think recruiting is kind of the focus right now, and then they'll worry about an offensive coordinator once they get a little more time. What do you think their criteria is when they're evaluating these different candidates? What's most important to them? Yeah, so I think they want someone that works or at least will work well with Brian Harson because from what we've been told, Brian Harson wants to get more involved with the offense, um, and he's planning to kind of no matter what. And so the offensive coordinator has to be comfortable with Harson either calling the plays or being very involved in that aspect. So, What was that situation like with Bobo? It it changed pretty much every month i think you could say um there was some back and forth there between times where hartson was more involved less involved stuff like that so i just don't think the two ended up meshing quite as well as they thought maybe they would be so now you know where my questions is going because auburn fans are probably wondering well was it good when harson was involved or was it bad when harson was involved yeah i mean i think it was good for the most part okay. um and so harson is looking for someone that Feels like Gus on all over again. Yeah, it does. But um, <laughs> I, I think they're looking for someone maybe a little bit younger um, that would either be more open to Harson calling plays or moldable in a sense that he would listen to Harson, take Harson's advice, and just kind of follow that in a sense. So you look at one of those younger guys that we've heard thrown around is Austin Davis, the quarterback coach for the Seahawks right now. Um, he's a guy Auburn has at least started to kind of have some discussions with. He's been out of the NFL for like two years. He was just kind of a backup quarterback throughout his NFL career. And he was, I think, the assistant quarterback coach last year for the Seahawks. And now he is the QB coach for the Seahawks now. He doesn't really have too many connections to the staff previously, but they think highly of him. Um, and he's a young guy that could be a good quarterback coach. They are looking at him as an offensive coordinator, but it'd probably be a situation where he's the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach while Brian Harson is more the offensive coordinator and the one actually calling the plays so a name that i've heard that i am intrigued by is andy ludwig what have we heard about him is he at all in the conversation uh, i haven't heard his name floating around all that much now um i've heard austin davis recently i've heard jeff grimes at baylor obviously i've heard frank ponce uh, over at appalachian state those are kind of the three that i've heard as of now but i think they're still which one of these is not like the other <laughs> the mountain man <laughs> <laughs> so so i think they're really widening the search a little bit and i think another name to keep monitoring would be eric kesaw just mm -hmm. currently on staff um it's been my number one option from the start yeah formerly the boise state offensive coordinator gets elevated to the wide receivers coach this year i think he did a serviceable job there and i think he's been pretty good um and he's familiar with harson he's respects harson he's willing to listen to him so i think you can't discount eric keesaw as a potential option at offensive coordinator as well just gotta say this about austin davis he was at cleveland brown at one point and he had he went 56 for 94 touchdown at three picks Woo 
<laughs> yeah, he didn't have the best NFL stats. I looked that up earlier this week when I first heard his name floating around because I honestly had never heard of him before. Um, and then it kind of registered who he was a little bit once I've looked Former at him. Southern Miss quarterback out of Meridian, Mississippi. Yeah, extremely young. I think he's... He's 32. Yeah. Yes, extremely young. Um, he's only ever been a quarterback's coach, but it's certainly an intriguing option. And if that's if this staff thinks really highly of him and thinks that highly of him to be an offensive coordinator, uh, I don't see why you wouldn't necessarily take the risk if they decide that's what they want. Seems this coaching staff really prefers West Coast passing-oriented guys, whether it be players or coaches. That that's the feel that I keep getting. I mean, the fact that you said Seahawks assistant quarterbacks coach that did not shock me whatsoever when you said that. <laughs> not because I've heard the name, but because I was like, yeah, that seems like something this staff would do. A lot of the, I mean, a lot of stuff that they've done seems to be West Coast leaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, there's just something that they they like in that system, and it's a culture shock to Auburn people. Yeah, <laughs> but. I mean, I don't know. I think Austin Davis is a very intriguing option. I don't know if he'll be the guy. Um, there are obviously some potential red flags with him, um, never being involved in college coaching, never recruiting, never being more than a quarterback's coach before, and never involved in college coaching. But right. if he's Only able to be a coach for like three years, two years actually, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> if, if they believe that he can get past some of those potential risks, I don't see why you don't take take the risk on him. He could end up being really good. It feels it, like a Kenny Dillingham type of move when Gus made that. It's like, it's like you know that Harson wants to be the guy moving forward on offense. He wants to bring in someone that can help him, that he can teach, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. without really kind of playing with his uh, playing with his toys. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's his thing. Yeah, no. I think that's a very fair assessment of you it. You can watch, don't touch. <laughs> that, that's kind of the vibe that I get with the offense right now. Yeah, no, I get – yeah, I would agree with that and – I mean, they seem to think really highly of Austin Davis. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be talking with him or at least having discussions with him as being a potential offensive coordinator. So that'll be an interesting situation to monitor. Of course, recruiting is more important. Signing day right around the corner. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk recruiting with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com as well as the mystical transfer portal. It's It takes away, it also gives. We'll see what gives to Auburn in the coming weeks. We'll be back with more of On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. 30 minutes into hour number one of the Thursday edition of the show. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us on a Thursday. We've been talking recruiting, the offensive coordinator search as well, which is also kind of like recruiting. And some Auburn bit, yeah. folks <laughs> out there are a little perturbed with the way things have gone in terms of being able to bring in coaches at Auburn in the last year and a half. <laughs> And they've looked around this coaching search. So that's just one question that I'll ask you, and then we'll get away from this. But yesterday we had a couple of calls about this year's coaching carousel in relation to this past coaching carousel that saw Auburn be one of the most attractive jobs, I think, when you look at it. Auburn was the big dog in, or, or the big fish in a small pond last year. This year there's a lot of big fish in a big pond, considering there's so many jobs opened up this year. 
Um, but it, it seemed like Auburn had a hard time getting some of these coaches. Now we've seen those same coaches that maybe Auburn looked at. They were snapped up real quick. So uh, kind of thoughts on how Auburn is viewed maybe among other coaches in relation to what Brent Venable said at his opening press conference. Yeah, so I this isn't a direct answer to your question, but I think there's just a lot of misinformation about the coaching search last year. Brent, True. Brent Venables was talked with, yes, but there was never serious discussion there. He wasn't directly offered the job. There, there was just interest. So when Brent Venables says he passed on it, technically true but it's not like he had a contract sitting on his desk and he just said no like that's not what happened so I think uh, and even I don't know the full story about all the other coaches that were involved in the search as well but I don't think anybody will know yeah but I don't think people truly have all the information about the coaching search last year Um, I think it was I think there were certain parties that were going out and searching for coaches while there was one party in particular that just went out and found Brian Harson. that's who they liked and that's who they wanted and they were able to get him um, while not being involved with some of the other coaching search candidates. So I don't think, I think people are making out last year's coaching search to be bigger than it was and trying to make it more drama filled maybe than it was, if that makes sense. Which if you read things last year, there definitely was reason for people to think that there was drama, you know? Yeah. Let's move to something else that can be rather dramatic at times, the transfer portal. And there's a lot of guys in there right now, just about as many if not more than there was last year at this time. Auburn has seen five guys go. They entered basically the first day that the season was over, that we were getting into bowl preparation. Do you think there will be any more? I think there's still potential for more. Um, Is that like a spring thing or like over this next month or so? It could be over this next month. It could be... Well, this would be over the next month, but it could be right after the bowl game. Um, And then, obviously, I still think players will leave after the spring as well just because of spring practice and how the depth chart shakes out and stuff like that. I just think the transfer portal is really never-ending. There could be guys that enter the portal next fall camp because they don't like the way that the summer and the spring went. So I, I, I would still expect over the next month to six weeks, though, to probably see a couple more names go into the portal. And who might those names be? Uh, I don't want to give out any direct names, but right. I would I would equate them to similar players to what we saw enter the portal. Um, not stars, okay. but not stars. guys that have been yeah. on the peripheral. Okay. Just just think of guys that you haven't really seen play that much. Sure. Well, here, here's a name, J.J. Evans. We have never seen him play a wide receiver. That's a good point, yeah. I don't think there's any reason necessarily for him to stick around, and I think it's probably in his best interest and the staff's best interest to just say, hey, obviously this isn't working out here maybe you might want to look another direction i think that's the luxury that this first year staff has is they can kind of tell players hey i would go and look in another direction it's tougher you know when your gus mal's on in year seven and you recruited this kid two years ago and you say hey it didn't like work Mm -hmm. out it's a little tougher but a first year staff you can just say hey like we didn't recruit you you're just not a part of our plan I i would look elsewhere so yeah. I think look out for maybe a guy like J.J. Evans or just names like that that you haven't yeah. really see play all that much and that just aren't all that involved. Talking about names that are out there in the transfer portal, mm-hmm. it may be early, but have any emerged as legitimate candidates for Auburn to recruit against? Not named Miles Frazier. <laughs> because yeah. I know we talked about him earlier. Yeah, obviously there is Frazier. There's the Virginia offensive lineman. Uh, both of them could be – well, I know the one is of interest, the center – the left half. Timmy. Yeah. I think um, I pronounced that right, right? 
Did I get that right? I think so. Okay. Um, Let me pull it back up. <laughs> one big name to monitor would be Theo Weiss. He was a former five-star wide receiver oh, at Oklahoma. Is that a possibility? Really? Yeah, I'm, I think yeah, it is a possibility. Right. Auburn, um, uh, Auburn is hoping to visit him. Eric Keesaw is. They were not able to work something out initially because Weiss had something pop up. But they're hopeful they can visit him. They're hopeful they can get him on campus. Auburn jumped on him like as soon as he entered the portal. That's exciting. So uh, I think Auburn's pushing for him. There's some other um, guys similar to Frazier as well, I would say, guys that are leaving like Western Kentucky. Um, there's an offensive lineman that left there. Western Kentucky offensive linemen know how to pass protect. Maybe not run block, but they know how to pass protect. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the portal, talking about it with Auburn too, but just talking about it with everybody, I mean, names are just going to keep popping up. Five stars just keep ending up in the portal. Guys, yeah, that left tackle that left Virginia, Bobby Haskins, I think he came in as a tight end and then he moved to tackle and he ended up being really good at tackle. So smaller names, um, West Virginia offensive linemen know how to pass protect. Yeah. There's smaller names. There are FCS kids entering the portal that are really good. The portal. I still think it hasn't reached its peak for this off season quite yet. I think that'll happen after bowl season. So, the portal will really heat up, and Auburn's going to have a really good opportunity, I think, to take advantage of that and build their roster for next year through it. When do you think that you're going to start seeing guys commit? Probably after bowl season? Probably after bowl season, yeah. That, kind of I, that first month of the new year, January, yeah, or I think it's, February? Yeah, because that's when I think most people will end up leaving is after bowl season. That's when most people will enter the, enter the portal, and then some of these guys that are leaving or have already left – will be able to look um, at options they have with schools. In January, they'll be able to visit a little bit more. There will be more time for that. And then these schools will have a better idea of who they want to pursue and what positions they feel like they need. Position-wise, obviously, offensive line is a point, point of emphasis in the transfer portal. I think receiver is another point of emphasis. Defensively, I think there are a lot of different holes that Auburn needs to fill next season. What is probably the most important unit that Auburn needs to be pursuing? I would probably say safety Thank you. off the top of my head. That's because, what I said yesterday. Yeah, because by Darius Knighton will be gone. Um, he's out of eligibility. Smoke Monday is probably gone. Right. Um, Ladarius Tennyson, who kind of played a little bit of safety, entered the portal, obviously. Yep. Auburn was pursuing Marquise Gilbert, and they still are the Juco safety, but I view him as a Florida State lean as of now, so... I think safety would be the biggest deal. I think Auburn's going to do a good job cleaning up at cornerback in this recruiting class, and they still have talent. Um, if Nehemiah Pritchett comes back, him, Jalen Simpson, uh, Dreshawn Miller, from what I've been told, is planning to come back. Really? He went through senior day? Yeah. Uh, as of now, it sounds like he'll be back. So why would you go through senior day then? Do you think uh, he just I, didn't I have his decision at the time and just wanted to? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That would probably be my best guess. I don't know. But uh, I think Auburn will be fine at corner. If Owen Papo comes back and they're able to get a Woodyard and Tolan or even just one of those two, and then some of these younger guys they have now, they'll be okay. Defensive line could be an issue if Colby Wooden and Derek Hall leave. If those two both leave, that's an issue, and that's where you really got to hit the portal, I think, and I'd maybe rank that over safety. Mm -hmm. But as of now, I'd probably expect them to be back next year. I don't see how their draft stock is going to be anything significant worth leaving. I mean, yeah. Colby, Colby Wooden would be at least a day two guy. Derek Hall, uh, probably day two, but like I'm not like I don't, certain. I mean, I don't think 
either of those guys would get drafted any higher than the fourth round. Yeah. I'm no draft expert, so that could just be completely off, but that would be my best guess. So theoretically, if you get those two back. That could be day three for both of them. Yeah. Theoretically, if you get those two back, you brought in a ton of younger defensive linemen last year. You had a massive class. Um, I think they're fine at the defensive line next year, and they're able to add you know maybe a couple guys in recruiting as well um, through the high school ranks instead of the transfer portal. So wrapping all the way back to the original question, safety would probably be my biggest thing on defense. And they use a lot of them. Uh, Derek Mason's scheme, a lot of times they do like to go three high, and uh, I know sometimes that's dropping mm-hmm. a cornerback deeper than where they are closer to a lot of scrimmage but you need more than two safeties on a yeah. roster and yeah, they may not have that they yeah because they they'll have zion puckett and they'll have donovan kaufman and kaufman's played a lot of nickel yeah and then they have kind of a bunch of young guys they have like caden bridges amari harvey players that you forgot about harvey though was making some noise whether it was spring or fall camp and then he got hurt or maybe he spent all of fall camp hurt. I'm trying. I, think I remember his name being thrown around a he lot. He was hurt, to my yeah. knowledge, um, or at least if I remember correctly. But Harvey was a decent recruit that they got, so Harvey could be an In interesting one. But mm-hmm. uh, either way, you look at all those names that they would have there. I still think you need to go to the portal. They're all young. Yeah, haven't played any significant time other than Puckett. But Puckett had old man Smoke Monday next to him, so <laughs> I mean that kind of helps you out a little bit. So there's actually a chance that Smoke Monday could return. I mean, obviously he's got another year due to COVID, but I just kind of all uh, if you went through senior day, it was over. I mean, I would probably assume that he's gone, but yeah. I haven't heard anything official on that. Um, what about Owen Papo? Owen Papo, from everything I've been told, is that he's saying that he'll come back next year. Oh, buddy. So, And that definitely, for me, because you're talking about safety being important to you, for me, if Papo doesn't come back, linebacker, I think, is my most important point of emphasis yeah. because I don't know if I trust the guys that are on roster right now. I'm looking at the transfer portal, like, for sure. Like, if I were, if it were me, I'm panicking looking at the transfer portal. Can Owen Papo play safety? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Might I, need to. It, so, yeah. So, if Papo comes back and – which I expect, and Colby Wooden and Derek Hall come back, which I would theoretically expect, but that depends on the draft more so, then I would say it's safety. But, you know, if Papa leaves, then it's probably linebacker. But if Colby Wooden and Derek Hall leave, it's probably defensive line. So a lot kind of weighs on Papo and Colby Wooden and Derek Hall. But So I, part of recruiting is recruiting your own team right now. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think in my own mind those three come back, and then you just look at safeties. What about the offensive line then? Since senior day doesn't matter uh, to, to whether or not somebody's staying, four of the five offensive linemen participated in senior day festivities. Are any of those guys going to come back? Um, so let me just run down the list here. Austin Troxel, I don't think will be back next year, which I think is fine because you have Killian Zaire and he you have well. Colby Smith. Um, so you're, you're okay there probably. And you're also attacking the portal for tackles. Brandon Council, I would not expect to be back. I think Nick Brahms is honestly a toss-up. I think he could be back next year, which if you don't get that Virginia center, I think that's a good thing for Auburn. While some fans might think otherwise, I think Nick Brahms is the most serviceable option that you have right there. Um, I, here's my thing on Nick Brahms. I think that he's experienced. I think he's got a high level of football IQ. I think he understands the game, and I think he's a good leader on the line. Just at times they've had an issue, whether it's him or guards, climbing to that second level in the zone blocking scheme. But I still think he's good. I think he's definitely better than what Auburn has had in years prior. Like I think he's better than Caleb Kim was 
mm-hmm. then before Caleb Kim, um, what was that like Kozan or something like that way back in the day or whoever? I mean, that 2017 offensive line was good in my mind, but since that moment, it has not not been great. But I think Nick Brahms does get too much heat. Yeah, I think he gets a little too much heat. I think he's like solidly average i think people's expectations for it uh quit comparing the man to like reese dismukes because it, it's not yeah. the same thing yeah um and then the only other one uh would be Brodarius ham that one i would say is kind of a toss-up i'd love Probably. to see him come back because i think he's i think the right side of the line's done a very good job and i think he's one of the better run blockers on the line uh, i would not count on that i would probably say it's a toss-up more so leaning towards him being gone but i don't have anything to back to the portal or to the draft or to just, just life? Just to life, I think. I got you. I don't think he has a ton of draft prospects, um, and I don't. I wouldn't expect him to enter the portal necessarily. So you're looking at maybe one guy coming back in my mind, in Nick Brahms, um, and then hitting the portal for some other guys along the offensive line. You do still have Keandre Jones. We have we talked about it, Zaire. You have Colby Smith, who they've been impressed with. You have Brendan Coffey is another option as well. Um, you have some other younger guards and centers like an Avery Jernigan, Tate Johnson as well. So you have some other options there. And then hit in the portal probably. Let's head to a quick break here. When we come back, we talk Auburn basketball. Alan Flanagan on the verge of a return in a couple of weeks as well as holiday hoops giving. Everybody's sick. Is Auburn going to have some flu games on Saturday against the Cornhuskers? We'll be back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up hour number one here. we got about five minutes left with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Christian, tell everybody about all the great content you guys coming up. I mean, you are waiting on your hands for big news, as is every other reporter out there. So tell us what's coming up. Yeah, so uh, I kind of have a story that I started yesterday, and I'll – keep updating it every single day just breaking down where auburn is um, leading up to signing day looking at each position group adding names getting rid of names uh, inserting new intel and stuff like that so i'll have that story every day and i'll have um, stories from visits this weekend we are expecting a couple of official visitors this weekend as well so stuff from that and then obviously just a ton of stuff next kind of monday through wednesday with signing day so it'll be it'll be very busy over there at auburnsports.com basketball as well this saturday holiday hoops giving two stories here going into this basketball game alan flanagan and some flu as bruce pearl called it that both teams are dealing with we'll talk about the sickness in a few minutes but alan flanagan's back in practice what's that timetable look like for a return before the lsu game yeah so i think the target is um the st louis game or the murray state game um personally i expect it to be the murray state game because if it's going to be his first game action back, I would probably do that at home just because familiar with the home court, just stuff like that. You know, sometimes other courts don't mop as much. There's just, there's small things. And so I think it would make more sense to bring him back at home. And also that's the later game. That would be December 22nd compared to the St. Louis game on December 18th. So I think this staff is hopeful that they can get him back and just get him some minutes against Murray State. And then I would probably expect it to go maybe all the way through January, just slowly working him way back into the rotation. Slowly so getting more minutes. may not see him start until February. I think maybe they'll work him into the starting lineup quicker than that. But just in terms of total minutes played, I think they're going to be very, very careful with him 
just because Achilles injuries are obviously very serious. And what's the need to push? Yeah. Because it is just January. Well, I'm terrified that somebody's going to mess with the feng shui with him coming back. Not that I'm not excited to have Alan Flanagan back. I am. But this team's playing well. They're gelling. I just... I, it, it's a delicate situation to introduce somebody new, and I know he's been here for a while, but somebody new to this year's ecosystem. Yeah, and that's exactly that, – that was one thing Bruce Pearl talked about today on his Zoom call before I came over here, actually, that it's an interesting situation now where they're working him back in in practice, but they can't let that disrupt this current team. You know, this current team has to go play Nebraska uh, on Saturday. Alan Flanagan isn't playing Nebraska on Saturday, but he's practicing a little bit. So they have to find a balance between working him back in and getting him more involved while also focusing on this team now. Walk on reps, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> yeah, so it is, it's an interesting situation. They're kind of in a tough spot. But uh, I think to your point, it may take a little time to get him involved. It might lead to some bumps along the road, but it's going to be better for this team in the long road that they do have him involved and in the rotation. Other storyline, some flu, as it's been called. Fred Hoiberg's bunch in Nebraska. It's weird for me to say that he's a head coach in Nebraska uh, just because of how used I was to seeing him in Iowa State and then also in the NBA, um, but still a Midwest guy wearing red, coincidentally, for the last three head coaching jobs that he's had. But then also Auburn's been dealing with it too. How much is this an issue going into this game? Uh, it shouldn't be an issue from Auburn, at least from what Bruce said today, that they had a couple of players that had the flu, and then they should have everyone back for practice today, and then they should be good to go for Saturday. Uh, for Nebraska, it sounds like an issue because there was some cause for concern today that they wouldn't even be able to make the trip because of how many players were dealing with the flu. Um, I don't have names or anything like that, but it sounds like Nebraska will be missing some players and maybe players that they have playing will be just coming off the flu and maybe a little sick still so it's a very it's a tough situation for nebraska nebraska at five and five hasn't played the most difficult schedule in the world what do we know about this team guys well what i know right out the gate is something that we were talking about earlier they are in the mid 230s in strength of schedule uh, and something i will continue to reiterate on the show there are 358 division one college basketball teams so that is not a good uh strength of schedule interestingly interestingly enough i've not watched any nebraska basketball this year but their average possession length on offense ninth in the nation dead at 15 seconds so they're pretty quick on the offensive end. Uh, Bruce talked very highly of their point guard, whose name I'm forgetting right now, but he said that is probably the best point guard that they'll play all season. Alonzo Verge? Yes. yes. He talked very highly of him. He said, while well, the UConn guy that they played, Cole, was very good, he thinks Verge is a little bit better. Well, that's scary. That guy tore Auburn up. <laughs> good challenge for Zepp Jasper or Katie Johnson, though. Christian, we appreciate you taking the time with us, man. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. If we don't see you again, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. We'll be back with hour number two coming up. You are on the line. 
Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hour number two of the Thursday edition of the show. Fun hour number one there with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com as he heads out. Lance, it's been a good show so far. Yeah, absolutely. And if you all have missed any of it, you can go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. To future listeners of the podcast, want to give a shout out to you. Really appreciate uh, you you taking the time to listen to uh, shows after they air. Of course, we are going to be taking your calls all hour long, 334-321-1390. Anything going on in the sports world. Intern Sting behind the board. Sting? It's your last day, man. This is it's your it. last hour. The final countdown. You've wrapped up all your schoolwork. You are coming to this side of things, the real world. Yep. How's it right, feel? Right You're on all counts. I, I'm sad a little bit. I mean, I've had some time to process it because my last exam was yesterday morning. But, you know, I mean, it's been a great run, and I have loved – did you take a, a walk around show. campus? I did after, so after did my exam. So did I, man. I think I might take one tomorrow if the weather isn't you too should. bad, too, just to really kind of hit all the spots. And I did, too. Once I wrapped yeah. it up, I walked around. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it hits different. It made me a little – it made me pretty sad. I mean, this this is my favorite place in the world. I'm so glad I've gotten to spend the last four and a half years here. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade it for anything. If I could, I would turn back the clock. But, you know, I've made a lot of memories, a lot of memories here in this studio, too. So – you know, I've loved being a part of this show for the last almost year now. Thank you, guys. Daggum. It's been a year. Man, I was going to save all that for the end of the show, but that was uh, heartfelt there, man. I really enjoyed you being here, too. And we'll obviously um, we'll give you some time to say goodbye as well at Thank the end you. of the show. And uh, if anybody want to call, uh, call in, Sting will be the one taking your call here. As for he the has last been, time. Yeah, for the last year that he's been doing it, too. So uh, we've had a blast having intern Sting here with us. I remember like it was yesterday when we gave you the nickname, my man. So it's been it's been a good ride. Let's start off hour number two here with making headlines. Auburn baseball's full schedule has been finalized for the 2022 season. I'll be real with you guys. This is one of the easier schedules I can remember despite the tough start to the schedule in February, playing in a tournament that will feature Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Texas Tech. But aside from that, look, it's pretty easy non-conference schedule. And then I think that the actual conference schedule itself, of course, it is the SEC. It's the toughest conference in all of college baseball, really in all of collegiate athletics, any sport, considering men's basketball is up to snuff this year. I mean, you, you break it down. I mean, there, there's not any weekends off in SEC play, but I definitely think there's definite balance with some slight reprieves in the conference schedule for sure i mean you look at the non-conference slate you get like you mentioned oklahoma texas tech kansas state in that tournament the state farm college baseball showdown to begin the season oklahoma future sec opponent uh will 
fans better get used to seeing Oklahoma on the schedule because that will be a regular thing uh, in years to come. Then you have Troy, a series versus Yale, Alabama State, UAB single games. Then you have a series at home against Rhode Island. You have a single game against Tennessee Tech. Uh, in Huntsville, by the way. In Huntsville. Home of the Trash Pandas. Yeah, let's go. You were, wearing, you were in that hoodie yesterday, weren't you, Stan? Yeah, the Trash Pandas of my hometown minor league baseball team. So, Best mascot in minor league baseball. It's a what level far. are they? Double A. Respect. Respect the Trash Pandas. You got a series against Middle Tennessee, Kennesaw State, and then you open conference play with a series at home against Ole Miss. I mean, you kind of ease your way into to conference play, right? You've got Ole Miss, A&M. Uh, LSU. I mean, honestly, that's not a bad way to start things. And then conference play isn't. I, I'm not. I, I don't think it's terrifying. You get your first series of conference plays against Ole Miss, but it's in Plainsman Park, and we've seen some good series against Ole Miss. If I remind you, last year the series with Ole Miss was decided. Of course, Auburn got swept, but it was decided by three runs. So mm. the and that was in Oxford. And that was a very good Ole Miss team that Auburn played against. This Ole Miss team is going to shed some of that talent that they had a year ago, especially in the pitching staff, which was terrifying to say the least. But you at least get those guys at home. That that's that is much better than having to start on the road in Oxford like you did last year. Oh, for sure. That is manageable, I think. And if you could somehow find a way to sneak two games out of that series, which I think is really possible here, if you find a way to sneak that, win your midweek game against South Alabama, which will be played in the Riverwalk in Montgomery. Then you're going to College Station to play one of the SEC's worst last year, which was Texas A&M. Now, will A&M be better? Look, it's at most teams in the SEC, especially someone of Texas A&M stature in SEC baseball, don't typically have terrible back-to-back seasons. Um, so I'm sure that they probably will be better. Forgive me that I don't know a ton about A&M baseball. But I, w- I would say that that is probably one of the more favorable road trips that you could get after having to play Ole Miss uh, to open up the season. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Ole Miss, obviously, is going to be a difficult opponent, but things don't really get serious until April, right? You Having to play Vanderbilt, play Mississi- Vanderbilt. Mississippi LSU State. LSU wasn't very good last year. Once again, right. I'm sure that they will probably not have as bad of a down year as they had last year. Granted, they still made the NCAA tournament, um, which is shocking after the type of regular season that they had and the fact that they almost missed the SEC tournament. But um, LSU is beatable in Baton Rouge, and we've seen Auburn yep. do it before. Not an easy place to play. Of course, not great that you have to do two back-to-back SEC road trips and then you're right things do get real in the month of April when you have to play the two teams that played in the College World Series back-to-back against Vanderbilt and Mississippi State you get Vanderbilt at home Mississippi State on the road neither of those are going to be very winnable series I don't think Mm -mm. and then you get South Carolina at home after a midweek game against Alabama State South Carolina at home, that's a, I mean, they're, they are a middle-of-the-pack SEC team. They're on the same level as Auburn, I think. You could take South Carolina. You'll have to make a tough road trip to Knoxville to play Tennessee, or Tennessee's fired up. Uh, that, that South Carolina series is the reprieve between the College World Series matchup of Vanderbilt-Mississippi State, and then you go to Tennessee and Arkansas. Uh, Alabama and Kentucky round out the schedule, which are also two winnable series. So you've got it blocked off. there. You've got tough back-to-backs, but I also think you've got a little bit easier of series splitting some of those back-to-backs and if Auburn just if Auburn can avoid injuries unlike they have for the past couple seasons if Auburn can avoid injuries and they can figure some things out at the plate I think they'll be able to meander their way through a better version of uh I, I think I think they will have a better year this year I agree in conference play. have you seen LSU's recruiting class by the way number one in the nation for next season it's absolutely loaded Jay Jones the new head coach from Arizona I'm intrigued to see what he does. I totally forgot that the Arizona head coach went there. 
he's that, that that's going to be a much better baseball team in years to come. Also, why do we call college baseball coaches head coaches and not managers? It's a good question. Sting, do you have an answer? I do not. It's that's odd. I, I have noticed that before, and I've wondered that because baseball is the only sport that does that. No, soccer does as well. Oh yeah, but soccer Ted manager, but then they say head coach in soccer. Hmm. Don't understand. Interesting. Don't understand. Trying to think of other if there's any other sport that's like that. I can't. Why not just call them all head coaches? Well, why? Or, We've got to be different, I guess. I don't know. We got to be cool, guys. It's baseball. I wonder if anybody's got an answer for that. Why it's called head coach in college rather than manager? Because I mean, that's what they're doing. I think. I mean, it's a little bit. It's probably a little bit more because you got to recruit and at the pro level. I don't know how much uh, managers actually dealing with free agents and whatnot because yeah. that's what your GM does. But still, moving on to our second headline here: Mike McIntyre headed to Florida International to be the Panthers' next head coach. You can see that it's a slow news day. When I'm talking about who FIU just hired as their head coach. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was Colorado the head coach guy. of Colorado. Yeah, uh, and you know what? It's good to see it's good to see him get another shot at a different uh, location. Uh, FIU, I think, is a good place to try and maybe rebuild things, or maybe to to kind of ride things into the sunset. Who knows? He may be done uh, with uh, with with uh, with coaching, and he may just want to ride it out at FIU. But yeah, thirty and forty four at Colorado had a ten win season back in twenty sixteen. Outside of that, really didn't do a whole lot with the Buffs. Before that, he was at San Jose State. So it's nice to see him at a Group of Five school, kind of get getting another shot. Moving to another headline: Alabama defensive back. And this being reported by Rivals, I see, or at least that's the article I'm looking at. This is from 27 minutes ago. Defensive back Josh Job supposedly had surgery on his toe this week and is expected to miss the remainder of this season, obviously including the college football playoff. Uh, it says on three was the first to report the news. Dang, is all I can dun, say. Dun, dun. Well, I'll, I'll, I will. You never want to want to see a player get hurt. Right. Absolutely not, and I hope that he's able to recover quickly. I hope that he's perfectly fine and in his career is not hampered by this whatsoever. But I will say, Cincinnati will probably take all of the help that they can get. And so I think when you look at not having Josh Joe, it just leaves one more question mark in that Alabama secondary. I feel like how does Cincinnati attack it? We'll just have to wait and see. I remember something about uh, this article mentions Nick Saban revealed back at the LSU game when he didn't start that game, revealed that it was about a turf toe injury. Hmm. Uh, turf, turf toe is no bueno. Turf toe is no fun. Um, so that's something that Alabama's dealing with going into their matchup with Cincinnati is that they will be down a starter at cornerback. And I think you can point to if there's a weakness on that Alabama team, it is in the secondary, and they just lost one of their valued members. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that, again, that's where an area where Cincinnati can certainly, I think, exploit Alabama's weakness if the, if the pass protection is there for Cincinnati. I think they can definitely take some shots downfield. I think they definitely could could have some explosive plays in this one. I think I, think I said this uh, on a few shows ago. This has very much so... Uh, Washington Alabama college football playoff semifinal vibes where I feel like Cincinnati's going to like strike first and then I don't know if they'll really be able to do much after that point and it'll just be a sluggish back and forth 24 to 7 type of game uh, like we saw against Washington uh, back in uh, I believe it was 2016 I may be mistaken but yeah that that this game certainly gives me those vibes but not having Josh Job on the field is just a another player down in that Alabama secondary could Cincinnati try and hang on to this one by hitting some shots downfield we'll just have to see 
Next headline, Virginia is home again on Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott to be the Cavaliers' next head football coach. Reported by ESPN, Clemson on the verge of losing both of their coordinators, and this is a sensitive time for the Tigers. Absolutely. That's what I was about to say. Is This does not look very good for Clemson after having those two guys for, for uh, quite some time on staff. I, I'm really curious to see, has Clemson, are there any even any names out there for, for Clemson's new D.C.? Have they even landed on anybody, potentially? Considering the nature of this year's coaching carousel, and there's been so many openings at head coach positions, these coordinator positions largely haven't been reported upon unless you are, like, covering that team, right? Like, you don't right. see much nationally about it until someone's been hired. Of course, the Jeff Levy to Oklahoma transition was talked about yesterday on our show but no i've not seen anything about clemson dc yet well i i don't know of any names that they would certainly uh or be looking at potentially but i i would say the same thing about the oc job if tony elliott were to leave who would they look at like you said we're kind of in the in the late stages it feels like of the coaching carousel or at least the 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 midway part of the coaching carousel and so i just don't know how many names there are that are out there that can keep this clemson program afloat on both the offensive and defensive sides of the football, this could be a really big loss for Clemson. Top of that, Clemson's had a couple of guys on the defensive side of the football decommit from them in recent days. Recently, four-star defensive end Jihad Campbell from IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, opened his recruitment after being committed to Clemson since June 27th. Mm. And he's the number 78 overall player in the country, according to 24-7 Sports Composite. That's not good. That is not good for Clemson. I'm not saying that their reign of terror is over, but things are definitely not looking good for the Tigers right now. On top of that, also his teammate at the high school level on IMG, Keon Sab, also decommitted, and that was earlier this week. He is the number 80 overall prospect in the country and the eighth best safety in the country. So two guys, major recruits on the defensive side of the football, top 100 recruits on the defensive side of the football, and top players at their respective positions, those guys have decommitted from the Clemson Tigers as well as they could be about to lose both of their coordinators. This is a sensitive time, like I said. Signing days are right around the corner, and Clemson's trying to tell everybody, look, we know that we were down this year, but we're extremely talented. We're going to bounce back. On top of that, nothing to see here. Our coordinators may be leaving, but we're going to be just fine. And I'm curious if the uncertainty of the situation, not that Clemson won't out-recruit, 98% of college football, but I'm curious to see if the uncertainty of the situation right now for them moving forward will possibly see some of their high-value targets lean Alabama, Ohio State, USC, Oklahoma, other major locations in college football if they will lose some of those guys to those places auburn please <laughs> maybe Probably not here's but. here's some of the names uh that have been thrown out for uh clemson's dc mike reed clemson's cornerbacks coach uh manny diaz the former head coach at miami that would be a great get i think randy bates the current pittsburgh defensive coordinator uh zach arnett mississippi state's dc I mean, those are three good names right there. I would take any of those guys if I were Clemson. Arnett's interesting. The modern defensive approach that he brings to the table, flexible on three- and four-man fronts. At times, you've seen 3-3-5 out of him. There's a lot of different things that he's been able to do at Mississippi State, but the one thing that is consistently true about the Bulldogs, consistently, they have sneaky good front sevens. Mm -hmm. They manhandled Auburn. They, They mangled Auburn's offensive line. 
back when they came to Jordan-Hare Stadium. From a run perspective, Auburn couldn't do anything. You think Javarius Johnson's pass run, I'm putting it in air quotes, that should not have gone down to the stat sheet as a run play. That is a pass play in my mind. Uh, you take that out of the equation, Auburn didn't do anything in that game on the ground. Third in the SEC in rushing yards allowed per game are the Bulldogs. And now all of a sudden he would get a massive increase in talent on the front seven. So I wonder what he'd do. That that one's intriguing. I don't I don't dislike that one one bit. The other name that I liked a lot, though, was Manny Diaz because he was a good defensive coordinator. Yep, absolutely. I'd take Diaz. I'd take Arnett. Uh, I would take their, their cornerbacks coach as well. I mean, all three of those guys I think are good options. Last headline here, NFL draft news. As it's getting to be that time of the year, USC's Drake London announced his decision to declare for the NFL draft. I forgot to mention this yesterday as well as Traylon Burks out of Arkansas announced his decision. But if you look at it for Drake London this year, 2021 stats, 88 receptions, 1,084 yards, 7 touchdowns, 12.3 yards per reception. This guy's one of the best receivers in the country, and I imagine he is going to be a day one or day two pick when the NFL draft rolls around. Absolutely. He is, he's been the USC's guy for two seasons now. Just a phenomenal uh, receiver at six foot five, 210 pounds. Would love to see what he looks like in the NFL because that's an NFL body, and you look at his numbers, he's clearly capable of making the jump to the next level. Where do you think Traylon Burks goes? In the NFL draft? Not, not saying a team, but a round range. Um, honestly, I think he, I think he's a, a, a mid to late second rounder, probably. I don't disagree with you. I've, some of the hands a little bit there, not, not saying that he has a major issue with drops, but mm-hmm. at times we have seen a little bit of that. Maybe that's just because he's been targeted so much. It's kind of like the Seth Williams syndrome that Auburn had, except he's a much better receiver than Seth Williams was. I just think... Uh, there, there are certain things there that I wonder if he, he looks like a running back. You know, what he I mean? does. Yeah, he, he looks like a running back, but he's got obviously excellent receiver skills. I wonder if that's going to scare some NFL GMs out there. I mean, it, it, people passed on DK Metcalf for a really long time, right? Yeah, and, and look at what he's turned into. You know, so I could see people having um, certain drawbacks there with Traylon Burks, but I definitely think whoever gets him is getting a is getting a good player. Absolutely, yeah, and. Um, could could uh, play the Cordell Patterson role in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Just like we'll line you up at running back, we'll line you up at receiver, uh, we'll line you up for kickoffs. It doesn't matter. Just get out there and play ball. You'll be. Uh, do you remember? Ke- uh, I think it was Keaton Thompson from Mississippi State. He transferred to Virginia. Wears number ninety nine now, and they just call him football player. The yeah, I remember player. Keaton Thompson because he's Mississippi so, State quarterback. They literally line him up at everything. Yeah, they they let him play anything, so they just call him the football player because he's so versatile. Traylon. Could potentially see time at a bunch of different places in the NFL. Let's head to a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to do college basketball picks here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Thursday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Last 30 minutes or so of the Thursday edition of On the Line. Got a few segments left, and we're going to get into some college basketball picks. And we're going to start with a big one tonight, number seven, Texas, at number 23, Seton Hall. Pirates at home in Newark, New Jersey, favored by a point over the Chris Beard-led Longhorns, 5.30 p.m. FS1. Something I've learned in the past, Noah, whenever Seton Hall... Uh, pulls up in a really, really uh, high-profile matchup in a game where it doesn't look like they should win because they're playing like a top 10, top 5 team, you pick the Pirates. 
I'm going to pick really? the Pirates at home. They're favored. They're favored. There's no reason why I shouldn't pick the Pirates. I'll give you reasons why. Okay, hit me. Actually, I'll just say this real quick. This is a gut game. This is my first basketball gut game of the season. Darn. Oh, well, never mind. I quit. <laughs> Jared Roden. Your, your gut has never been wrong. Jared Roden, their senior guard, averaging 17 points a game. This could be This could be a Miles Powell night for him. I definitely think this is going to be a very good basketball game, but I look at the teams that Seton Hall has beat this year. They ain't played be- nobody, Paul? They beat Ohio State, and they beat Cal, and they beat both of them by three points. Outside of that, they haven't done a whole lot. Um, they beat Michigan by three. I just, I just think those teams are good, but they're not great. And I think this Texas team has the potential to be great, but I definitely do believe Seton Hall has the quality to make this a difficult game for UT. Um, they're very similar teams. They both play excellent defense. The difference here is one team plays this game at a snail's pace, that being Texas. Seton Hall likes to force you into a lot of turnovers. They like to run. Uh, they're the Auburn style of defense. They're the get-in-your-face and force you into a lot of turnovers, whereas Texas is going to pack it in and get into the half court and create a rigid wall in front of your bucket. Um, they both play excellent defense. They're about the same size, about the same experience as well. So there's not a whole lot separating these two teams other than this one simple fact. I think Seton Hall is going to try and speed this game up, and they're going to try and go hero ball, and they're going to run into this brick wall defense, and they are going to find it very difficult to actually score and I think they're going to burn a lot of possessions that way. Texas, believe it or not, does force a lot of turnovers. Their opponents average about 18.6 turnovers per game. Seton Hall's only averaging 12 assists per game, and they get a lot of shots up. That tells you they do that hero ball stuff. So I don't think street ball is going to work against Texas here. I think it's going to be a great game. The difference here is, though, I, I think this the style, the class of style, I think favors Texas a little bit. Texas second nationally in turnover percentage defensively, twenty eight point nine percent of the time you turn the ball over against Texas, and they have no possessions on defense, which is wild. They are also fifth nationally in steal posi- er, uh, steal percentage. Texas is so. That's really, really solid. You look at te- some of Texas's offensive numbers, they're 17th nationally in adjusted efficiency, 13th in effective field goal percentage. They shoot 39% from three. That's top 20 nationally. I mean, they're blocked. They don't get blocked. They make their free throws. They make their twos. They don't turn the ball over. I mean, this is a really, a really solid good Texas basketball team. team. Yeah, give me Seton Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Purdue, favored by 13.5 over a Rutgers team. That is reeling right now. I don't think there's a lot of reason here to pick Rutgers. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, this is not a gut game for me. This is just, I think, Purdue is probably the more talented basketball team. I will say, though, Ron Harper feels like he's been in the college game for about 30 years now. He's Who? a uh, guard at Rutgers. Um, he's been solid though Uh, he's been solid for them but I think Purdue's front court is probably going to take over in this game this game at 6 p.m on Big Ten Network I'm going Purdue just fun fact about Rutgers they've lost to teams like DePaul Lafayette Mm. UMass not good it's not Not good good. yeah John Rothstein was tweeting about them earlier today but I will be blown away if this game is close they did beat Clemson but that's it. But then it. they followed it up with a loss. <laughs> to uh, Illinois. Yeah, and a bad and a, loss and a at r- that. ugly one. They Shoot. just don't score well. And I, I don't think that – I mean, they, they average about how many points Purdue is giving up, and that's in the low 60s. So I don't, I don't anticipate them scoring much 65.6 points per game for Rutgers. Rutgers gives up 64.9. That's yeah. tough. That's tough. This is going to be a fun mid-major game. Of course, St. John's is in the Big East. But Monmouth at St. John's. Red Storm favored by eight and a half. I think this is going to be a good one. Well, I don't know anything about Monmouth. Do you? They're seven and one. Oh, should I respect that? I think they're going to end up being a 
potential NCAA tournament team. It seems like they they're experienced. They got about an average age of a junior. They've got average years of experience is three years for Monmouth. Uh, this game at seven thirty on FS1. I'll say this: I'm going St. John's to win this game. I think it's going to be close. Uh, Red Storm wins this game though because their dudes are just simply better. They got Julian Champagne. Uh, the fact that they got Champagne, I don't think that somebody on Monmouth's side can um overcome the talent that st john's is going to put on the floor st john's is averaging 20.3 assists per game that's third in the nation uh just the fact that they're able to pass that well i think they'll be able to overcome monmouth's solid defensive approach to the game of basketball monmouth is holding opponents to like less than 27 percent from three they play really good defense but i think st john's is going to be able to pass around it so here i just want to really quickly i think we've talked about this before on the show just look at some of the names on on uh, St. John's roster, their point guard Steph Smith, their shooting guard Posh Alexander, small forward Montez Mathis, like you mentioned, the power forward uh, Julian Champagne. I mean, these are some dope names. Like this is probably and some great players too. Yeah, and some really solid players. I'll say I'm actually believe it or not, I'm going to pick Monmouth in this game. Actually, now that I've looked at their schedule, so St. John's has lost to the two teams that they played this year that were actually worth anything decent, yeah. in Indiana and Kansas, and they got blown out by 20 by Kansas. Mon- Monmouth they beat Cincinnati. That's their only win on their on their schedule though. That I that's like mind-boggling loss to Charlotte in the season opener. Yeah, they lost the by loss. two. So I'm, I'm going to pick Monmouth. I think they go on the road and I think they shock the Red Storm. Let's see. We've got a minute left here big game Iowa at number 17 Iowa State five and a half point favorites are the Hawkeyes on the road really yes I will go and get my pick I'm going Iowa State I'm going Iowa State as well after seeing the way that Iowa played against Illinois uh losing uh, I believe that game was at home for the Hawkeyes wasn't it this is going to be kind of similar to the Texas Seton Hall game and this is why I'm picking Iowa State to win I'm going to favor the defense here Iowa shoots a lot of threes Iowa State defends the three-point line well 26.5 percent are what opponents are shooting from three against them this year. They also rebound very well. Iowa does not rebound. Oh, Iowa Iowa gets after it on the offensive glass. They do not clean the defensive glass well. Iowa State does does both at a high level. So I will say Iowa fifth in the nation in adjusted efficiency on offense. They do like to score that basketball. They do. I think they run into a good defense, though, today, and yep. Iowa State actually gets a good win on their resume. Let's do a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Auburn's offensive depth chart and what it looks like heading into signing day coming up around the corner. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. And we'll head to the phone lines now. We got Keith on the line with us. Keith, how's it going? Did you see anything yesterday when you were hunting? I did. It was a good day. I, I didn't shoot anything, but I just sat there and watched them. What did you see? Oh, uh, two different sets of, of does. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Well, 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 it may not be rut yet, but where there's a doe, there is a buck. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. But, um, yeah, just just wondering, uh, if, do y'all know what the deal is with Trey Donaldson? Uh, or is, is that guy, is that his name, uh, the guy from uh, Tallahassee? Uh, is well, that the, the, the basketball player, uh, uh, football player signing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is he actually going to play football, or is he just a basketball player on a football scholarship? So I think he's going to play both, but he's definitely a basketball lean. It's the vibe that I get. Like basketball is going to be his his primary focus, but um, which is kind of interesting to me how that works, considering football 
goes into basketball season by several months. I mean, by two months at least, you know. So I'm kind of curious as to how that how that's going to work out. I wouldn't be shocked if by the end, and I have no information on this, but, you know, I'm sure many people probably think, you know, if this guy's a basketball lane, eventually he'll probably end up just playing basketball. Right, and my question is, I think, and I don't think we know the answer to this, obviously, is, well, he might play football, but is he actually going to get any, like, legitimate playing time, right, with how much he is uh, invested in basketball? But he is the know? number 264 player nationally on the football trail. He is pretty good at both. I mean, he's. I think he's ranked higher in football than he is in basketball. He is, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a real hitter. I mean, he he's got a future in uh, football for sure. I watched uh, a little tape on him. I had another thing pop up on YouTube, and uh, some guy, uh, some young guy, was doing this thing on. Uh, I guess he does it on a lot of Florida recruits uh, from all over the state, and uh, he was showing a lot of highlights from Trey Donaldson, and he. Uh, He's very good. He's a good quarterback, but he's a heck of a safety. And I hope he winds up playing football because he's a hitter and uh, he's a real athlete. And but what another interesting thing that this young man had on his uh, screen behind him, he had two other names on there that I've never heard of. But he had a hundred percent Auburn lean to own both of those. And uh, you know, uh, it's kind of wild that uh, he knows that, but we don't. <laughs> Well, who were they? I really don't remember the names. I mean, I was watching that at uh, 5 o'clock this morning and yeah. just didn't really uh, catch all of it. But uh, it was the guy's name, like Florida something boy or something like that. But uh, anyway, it was pretty interesting. But, I, you know, everybody always talks about uh, or tries to put Auburn as dysfunctional and all that. But I've been thinking that, you know, I've been – in my lifetime, I've never known a coach to uh, walk away from Auburn. I mean, Parson might be the first one, but, uh, you know, we fired a few. But, you know, the good ones usually stay here nine or ten years. I agree with that. Everybody loves being here, you know, and I, and I think it's a destination job. I can't think of anybody who's used it as a uh, – or I haven't seen any head coaches, I don't think, use it as a stepping stone. Now, of course, coordinators, if they want to go get an opportunity elsewhere, like, sure. I mean, Will Muschamp did that a couple of times, but – if uh if a coordinator is going to get a better opportunity, I mean, I'll, I'll you know go for it. I mean, that's Nick Saban's been doing that for for years. I just think that's a sign of a successful program when you've got coordinators taking the next step often. Um, but I'm with you. Head coaches typically like this is a destination. Nobody uses Auburn as a stepping stone. That's right. It's a great place to be, and uh, I really uh, I think that a lot of people when things don't go the way that they want them to go and. Uh, you know, uh, there may be some things that happen, but uh, I think overall it's a good program and, uh, you know, a great place to, to live and coach. But, uh, you know, uh, Joe, uh, uh, what, what, what's the guy that was LSU coach uh, that, that uh, we're looking at possibly as a coordinator? I don't uh, think Joe they're looking Clark. at him, but uh, you're, you're talking about Joe Brady. I, I don't even think they're – I don't think they're even looking at him. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I got a uh, – I don't know, something tells me that he'll probably wind up at Alabama because Saban loves to take those great coaches that are in between things, and everybody likes to have Saban on their resume. But for some reason, I think he's going to wind up at Alabama. Well, it's funny uh, that you say that, but that season that LSU won the national championship, you know, when Nick Saban's not playing in a title, he's talking about one on TV, and uh, he talked really highly of Joe Brady that year. 
Um, I, I, I don't think you're too far off if, if for some reason Bill O'Brien is not in Tuscaloosa. But um, Joe Burrow, I think um, this, this, this is just me uh, looking, reading between the lines, but, uh, you know, Joe Burrow was a, uh, a coach's son, and that senior year he didn't really, you know, he was still in school technically, but he didn't go to class. He just went to the uh, uh, sports arena and, uh, you know, and, and, and worked out and, and watched film and, and uh, did uh, football stuff. Uh, I think Joe Burrow had a lot to do with uh, Joe Brady's success. I think they just meshed, and uh, Joe Burrow is like a coach on the field. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, possibly uh, Bo could do that. I mean, you know, if, if he's graduated and he put that much into it, uh, you know, he's got a lot of uh, uh, experience. You know, you put all of the things that he knows and just uh, mesh with somebody – you know, I mean, it, you could have a year like that. I think that's what happened that year when Joe Burrow and Joe Brady did all that. I definitely think Joe Brady helped him out a lot because uh, Joe Burrow before that really wasn't overly impressive. But I definitely think uh, it was a stars aligning situation like you're talking about. Keith, we appreciate the call, my man. I hope you have a good, uh, good rest of your week and a good weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That was Keith on the line with us. I always enjoy talking to him. He's yeah, a, he's a regular. I always enjoy talking to Keith. Yeah, I appreciate Keith's phone calls. And I will say, yeah, I do think that that Joe Brady's success at LSU did have to do with a lot with the fact that Joe Burrow is just a generational talent. And well, the flip so, side, though, what if Joe Brady unlocked that in Joe Burrow? Absolutely. I definitely think that, the, like he said, it was definitely a mesh. I think there was definitely there was definitely benefits from both sides. Uh, I, will, I will say, if Auburn picks up, whoever they pick up at OC, I would like to see them obviously in any scenario in any scenario kind of have that mesh with whoever Auburn plays at quarterback not to the Joe Burrow level obviously I just want to be able to see the next guy that Auburn hires be quarterback friendly I guess I definitely would say if I have a wish list of different things that I want my OC to do I think being quarterback friendly is one of them and that doesn't mean dumbing things down and making reads easy and stuff like that I just want him to be able to work with quarterbacks well obviously we saw Dan Mullen do it during his time at Florida as OC we saw him do it as a head coach uh, during his time at Mississippi State and even at Florida uh, as the head coach I want somebody that understands the quarterback position and it understands how the offense operates around it and best benefits that position to where you're not you're not 2019 Bo Nix and you don't understand what's going on and the situation is getting worse and worse as the as time goes on I want to see somebody that comes in whoever the quarterback may be for Auburn I want to see them come in and and make that position like we've said so many times before on the show, the truck, not the trailer. With the nature of the way that the search is going, I imagine Brian Hartson's going to have a heavy hand on everything going on on the offensive side of the football. And to me, that is a good thing for the quarterback position because I, you know, I know Bobo's out now, and I'm sure Bobo had a hand in Bo Nix's improvement, but I think uh, Brian Harson knows a thing or two about that position, and he's had a good track record with quarterbacks everywhere he's been. Yeah. Regardless of whether of who are. Regardless of who his coordinator has been, Brian Harson has always had a good quarterback. I, I completely agree, and I think we saw his, him do some really good things at Boise State. I think uh, before Hank Bachmeyer's last season, I think we saw him do really good things with him. Uh, the quarterback before him, was it Brett Ripien? Rip? Ripien, Ripien. Yep. Uh, he he also uh, he came out of nowhere. He was really really good for for four years. I mean, he was injury prone for for two of the years that he played, but 
I was another that was another quarterback that came through Boise. And even whenever Boise didn't have their starting quarterback in, the numbers that the backups put up were actually really decent. Like total, like overall, I think Harsons has a really good track record with QBs. All right, let's get into we've been talking a lot about needs and whatnot. Auburn's signing day or everybody's signing day is coming up in a week or so. Let's examine Auburn's offensive depth chart and talk about needs here as we move forward. Factoring in guys that have transferred out. Of course, also, we don't know on some guys if they're going to be returning or not, so we're going to do our best job to be able to judge this, but we'll take it on a position-by-position basis, and let's look at this quarterback position. Bo Nix, publicly, it seems like he's in the air, but you've also seen some reports that he could be returning or that it, you know that he's said that he would return right so you don't totally know what to believe there about Bo but my gut feeling on this is that he is Auburn leaning here rather than elsewhere so we will include him on our depth chart here at quarterbacks you got Bo you got TJ you got Demetrius Davis quarterback does not appear to be a need in this recruiting class they've got Holden G also locked down as like that, that like that dude like he's coming to Auburn yep absolutely yeah so I think if Bo stays Auburn definitely has that position figured out if he doesn't stay it's a, it's a need in the transfer portal wouldn't you say like Auburn yes. would want to get somebody yes TJ Finley so. I don't think is going to be able to operate this offense to to the standards that fans and the coaching staff would want and granted guys can get better sure but based off of what we've seen from TJ Finley in his short small sample size I would not feel comfortable with him being the starting quarterback next year I don't and you know what like you said players can get better and I think there definitely is room for improvement with him but I I think he 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 put he's he's I don't think he's the quarterback for this system I think he would work better in a different scheme I completely agree that's what I was trying to say and also I think he just plays he he his role on this team uh, the the role that fits him well is, is is a backup. But with that being said, I don't think that it was bad for Auburn to go and get him. No, because uh, I can already hear someone calling in and saying, "Well, why did we get him if he wasn't a scheme fed?" Because they needed depth at the position because yes. they didn't have any of it. I also think they needed a little bit of competition to really try yeah. and push this scheme along quicker and try and push the Bo Nix along. along and try and make him work and try and get him uh, up to speed. I think. And I think it worked. Yeah, absolutely. I think we definitely saw that before he got hurt. I think it was a great move to bring TJ Finley into the program. And who knows, maybe he continues to improve and he ends up being the guy after Bonex. But at this point in his career, I would feel uncomfortable if he was the starting uh, if he was the starting quarterback next year. Yep. Moving on to running back, Tane Bigsby right now, coming back. He's a returner. Yep. We've also got um, Jarquez. Jarquez Hunter, and that's it as far as scholarship running backs that I can think of. Uh, Jordan Ingram. Yep. Damari Alston will be coming in. He will. Be, he's the only running back currently committed. So you got four scholarship running backs. Am I correct in saying that? I believe so. Yes. I think yes. I believe that's true. Because then outside of that, you get to walk on with Sean Jackson. Sean Jackson, right? So you've you've got those. You've and they're got those potentially three guys. looking to take another. I don't think that this is a huge position of need. Mm-hmm. Um, I said earlier on the show, I like Jarquez Hunter a lot. If this guy's done what he's already been doing this year um, as a freshman and showing what he can do athletically, I think he's going to be a great running back. But you lose Tank after this next year. I I would not be shocked if Tank's going pro. I would be shocked if Tank does not go pro after his junior season. For running backs, it's important to have as low a mileage as possible. And over his first first two seasons, he's racked up a lot. Mm -hmm. He's – I I would be blown away if he does not go after his junior season – Jarquez, I don't know if he will ever be the number one guy running back in Auburn. 
uh, even even if Auburn doesn't get Trevante Citizen to be the commit. I don't know if Jarquez will ever be the number one guy. I think he will be a good change of pace back for Auburn in an opposite direction. Like he's not your scat back, he's not speed back, he's not a receiving back, but I think he can give you a different dose on the ground that will complement your number one. Nothing about Jarquez Hunter shouts to me West Coast running back, one cut, you know, ability to play with the ball on his hands out in space. But he does. I I, I think this coaching staff did want him, though, because this was one of their commits. This was one of the guys they recruited. And I think he does fit the offense and that he can be a complement to whoever they view as the number one, which at this moment – well, that Christian Clemente was talking to now we're number one. They really want Trevante Citizen. Right. So, uh, like you just said, they're looking at Citizen. They're looking at Williams potentially as a backup option if Citizen falls through. So, Auburn's looking at different guys to pick up in the running back room because I don't think necessarily you have to look at next year's team like you were just saying. You have to look at this long term. Tank Bigsby, would it would not shock me like it would not shock you if he's gone after his junior season. So, you, you already want to be exploring some options to bring in that you can kind of train up to be ready whenever that time comes right and so if it is citizen and if like christian said if there is that possibility that he could jump uh hunter on the depth chart if he comes in get him those touches and he could potentially be ready and i don't even really like saying jumping him on the depth chart i look at the running back position in some offenses and in this auburn offense it may end up evolving to be this sometimes i look at running back as being like 1a 1b mm-hmm. and b does something different than a and maybe you have two different types of running backs on your depth chart and they themselves have their own depth charts like you have your your one cut you know your your traditional you know running back that you're going to have in this offense for the west coast like a tank bigsby and then behind him like a damari austin or Travante citizen next year but then on the other side of it you've got jarquez who's still going to get his same amount of touches that he's going to get uh, as kind of your change of pace heavy dose running back and based on the way the offense operates you just then gauge based on the styles of running backs that you have who you use more than often than not and so while citizen may be different than hunter doesn't necessarily mean that he's better and so therefore it doesn't necessarily mean that he would have jumped him on the depth chart it's just utilizing them in different ways and by the time that is by the time he becomes a junior or senior i think jarquez hunter is going to receive you know more than 10 carries per game i definitely think it's going Mm -hmm. to get to that point um i just think that they're also going to have a different style of running back back there with him that's going to shoulder the load i think this is going to be the backfield is going to be handled differently than it has been under gus malzahn yeah i don't think it's going to be one guy uh, always here i don't think that the backfield is, is going to be the focal point of how this team is built unlike it was under the previous regime i think that's going to be something different for auburn fans because that's what it's been like that's what it's been about at auburn for years who's your running backs right like auburn is that's what it's been built around for so long i don't think that's what it's built around from here out the focus is shifting to quarterbacks and wide receivers in this system and we will talk about the wide receiver room when we come back Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Got about three minutes left in the Thursday edition of On the Line. Hope everybody's having a great day so far. Following us, it'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack. Let's talk about the receiver room for a couple minutes here, and then we'll get out of here on the Thursday edition of the show. We'll talk about tight ends, offensive line, and the other position groups tomorrow in terms of needs on the recruiting trail for Auburn. So what does Auburn have coming back at receiver? Tamarish Dawson, Kobe Hudson, Javarius Johnson, Malcolm Johnson Jr. Let's see, Xavier Capers, J.J. Evans. That's kind of your main guys coming back. They're all extremely young. Could you see some transfers out of the group? Sure. 
could Kalen Newton decide to come back because of a COVID year? Yes. Uh, Shedra Jackson as well. But I would imagine that those guys, considering they um, did senior day stuff, that those guys probably won't be coming back. So you still have some depth here. Right. But nobody's really kind of taken off other than Kobe Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got – what do they have as far as commitments right now? I mean, a lot of numbers, but no just like, dude. Well, they've got – well, let's just run down the list. Omari Kelly, four-star guy, six foot two, 180. Jacoby Albert, 5'11", 175. He's a three-star. Jay Fair, 5'10", 175. Three-star out of Texas. And that is it. So you've got Jay Fair, you've got Jacoby Albert, and you've got Omari Kelly. We're looking for Kelly. a fourth, and which looking- could be – Darius Clemens. And we could be looking at Darius Clemens. So we're going to pick could up. also get five. It could be Camden Brown also. I don't, I don't think that they'll turn down Brown if they get Clemens. Right. So here's my the perfect world scenario for me. You get Clemens. So this would be Auburn's top three, top three receivers. Clemens, Kobe Hudson, transfer receiver. And I'd like to see and that. work tra- in Javarius Johnson. Yes. I'd like to see more Tavares Dawson as well. I'd, I think Javarius Johnson would work well as that fourth option. Uh, so those would be my my three or four guys, and I'd like to see that transfer be somebody that has a that has experience at the college level or at least a ton of production. I the, want him to be my number one. The Clemens commitment will play a big role in what I think of this receiving core next year. If you yep. get Clemens and then a go transfer, watch out. Like if Theo Weiss and Clemens comes, this is going to be one of the better receiving cores of the SEC. Baby, that would be a nice receiving core. Final minute in the Thursday edition of On the Line, intern Sting. This is your last minute with us here on the show, and you have been with us for a year. It has been a wonderful ride, man. We are going to miss you, bud. I'm going to miss you guys so much, too. This has been great. Like I said at the beginning of the hour, I've loved being here. I've loved every second. I have, I'm have. i so grateful that you guys took me on in January. I was this, uh, this kid who – doing a little bit of writing for WEGL and had almost no other radio experience. And you guys brought me on uh, as if I was one of your own. So, Well, you're a homie, man. I, you are, I appreciate you that. Are, I will never forget it. This has been the honor of my life. And we really, really appreciate the, all the work that you've done. You've been absolutely phenomenal, and it's been really fun to just hang out and get to do the show with you, man. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to try to – I'll try to come by, come by the office every now and then when I can. I'm not uh, good yeah. at this. <laughs> I'm not good at these things. I'm not either. Uh, oh, man. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be leaving the, the loveliest village for the last time in a couple of days. Take another stroll. Yep. Going um, to. That's on, that's on my agenda for tomorrow. Take it all in. If weather Walk permits. Walk to tumors. Get a lemonade. Take a stroll. Mm-hmm. Take it all in. Intern Sting for the last time. Sting, you are now off the line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.